Welcome back to another podcast. <laughs> hey, we are honored to be blessed with this stand-up comedian, man. I saw her a couple of weeks ago, and she blew the world away. And I was like, damn, how come I didn't know about it? What we do now? Welcome, Miss Gina Brion. Oh, beautiful pronunciation. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That nigga look like he went to class for that one. <laughs> I said that shit like 10 times this morning in the mirror. Brion. Brion. That was your mantra this morning, Brion. <laughs> he was, he was Brion. working hard on it, too. I had to. Which, which is great for me. Our first female guest. Hey, hey. Is it? That's why you running this interview. I'm not saying nothing. Oh, yo, I wasn't here with dead Janelle ass. Here. You dead ass. I'm your first I... female. <laughs> we, we apologize. We are excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So much, so much. So you have to tell us some things. New York, first of all, we mm. hear the accent. Yep, yep. New York. Yeah. I only have the accent. Usually, I only have the accent when I'm really relaxed. I'm around like good people. That means like y'all got a good vibe. Oh, yeah. because then I can I can feel more relaxed. Cause a lot of times when you do impress, you just feel like I, you have to say stick to a script. Yeah, yep. and you just walk in real rigid and and like uh, you don't know who you're gonna be dealing with. Mm -hmm. and when I'm around the right vibe of people, it's like oh we could just chill out and y'all have a nice chilled out vibe. Look at this. We appreciate yeah, the yeah. vibe. We appreciate the vibe. I like hearing that. I like hearing that. You know we love compliments around here. We have no <laughs> stiff room when somebody walks in. You know what I mean? We can't yeah, get a good interview like too, that. Yeah, too, like for podcast people, because I have a podcast um, myself, and when we've had some guests on that were like real uptight, we're just like, okay, what are we talking about now? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what's cool is that we're meeting more and more people that already have their own podcast, so, yeah. we, so yeah. they already know like you have to talk. Yeah. You yes, can't just sit exactly. there and not talk. Yeah, because like when you have those guests, have you ever had guests come on and they can't put their cell phone down? Do you have to make rules? Do you have to beat somebody up yet? I've, I've had guests like that and I've been a guest like that. <laughs> this is why I get mad when I have a guest like that because I'll be like, oh, so I ain't shit. Okay. <laughs> no, I see. No, I see how it is. Okay, that's fine. Maybe no, on that phone like. <laughs> I've had, you know what, when it's happened is when people have asked like rude questions or like, like, I remember I was doing an interview. I forget where I was, but this dude kept asking me about Amy Schumer instead of talking about the shows I was doing that weekend in the city I was in. Yeah. And I was uh, just like, why are you interviewing me about my feelings about other comics? Like, what kind of beef you trying to start? Like, yeah. I don't have yeah. no beef with nobody. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I stay focused on my career. I, I don't got to worry about nobody else's career. Right. Do you right. think that is because you are a woman? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. They're like, well, what do you think about this female comic? Is she doing her thing? All right, then. Let her do her thing. Let yeah. her rock. Yeah, we ain't got nothing to do with each other. Like, like yeah, exactly. I think know. that's that's what's being hard about being a woman. You know, as far as everyone automatically thinks you have to be catty towards the next person, or so, that you gotta have an opinion on somebody's career or their personal life or something. Like, uh, again, I did like some documentary, and they were again asking me feelings about Amy Schumer and how you feel about her. I was like, I think she's doing her own thing, so let her rock. Like, I'm like, she's. She, and they were like, you were the person that said the nicest thing. Like, you said the nicest thing about her. Everybody else. And I was like, why are you trying to dig up yeah, dirt? Like, yeah, yeah. Because controversy sells. Exactly. I'm like, I want to create this drama. I ain't trying to beef with nobody. Like, yeah. I've been, I've been, I've seen real beef. Like, I'm not trying to have this, like. Like, I'm from the Bronx, yeah, man. You know where I'm from. I've seen real beef. Not that fake like, beef. Yeah, when you've seen that and then you find out, like, dumb shit like somebody says something or somebody's doing something and, and you just be like all right well i'm not gonna mess with that like i'm focused on me like i'm trying yeah. to win exactly because yeah. at some point in your life that's the only thing you focus on and people don't understand that yeah they want to throw you off or throw some other shit and you just like that shit just don't bother me like it used to bother me because mm -hmm. you matured in your yeah. way of thinking you don't mm -hmm. think like an adolescent anymore the problem is so many people have egos and think like adolescents it's easy to trigger them yeah it's easy to get them mixed up in the wrong thing or mess with their mentality so 
they don't stay focused. Imagine how much greatness would be in people if people stay focused. That's wow. deep. Look at this. <laughs> you know what? I've been taking everybody's things and things, and I'm just going to take this. Go one take to- it. Take it. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> yeah. So how has your life changed since you went on America's Got Talent? Well, you know what? Hold on. Before you answer that question, before you even answer that question, okay. who were you before America Got Talent? Cause, cause, cause Are we going in chronological yeah. order? Okay, yeah, check me. I, I don't mind being checked. We can start from the know. beginning. I don't want to know the fame. I want to know the movie. I want to okay. know how that shit started off. <laughs> okay. That's a nice check. I'll give you I that. I started off check. a poor Puerto Rican child in the South Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, uh, <laughs> I grew up in the South Bronx. <laughs> And um, fell in love with comedy when I was 14 years old. Like, 14. fell in love with comedy. I what, was was like, the, what was what was the thing that made you fall in love? There was a comic back in the day. Some people that are in my generation or are my age of the, they will know. <laughs> if you are <laughs> years old, <laughs> you will know a comic named Brett Butler, beautiful blonde Southern woman who had her own comedy, sh- her own sitcom called Grace Under Fire. <gasps> yes. Uh, wow. Okay, Look it up now. Sure. Yes. Now. I saw her first, uh, not, it wasn't her first special, it was actually her second stand-up special called Brett Butler um, Sold Out, and it was on Showtime. And I literally remember what she was wearing, almost all of the material verbatim, what she did, because I, so, I was so focused in. It's like I saw her and it clicked, and I was like, I want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to start. Mm-hmm. But that, I saw this woman entertaining this room full of people with just her wit. And it wasn't, you know, and it was something like when I grew up, the environment I grew up in, I was watching Latino television and American television. And on Latino TV, you don't see women taking control like that. They're usually scantily clad or they're dancers or they're something like that, like, or they're literal clowns. Like, if they're funny, they're dressed like a clown. Yeah. So, like, in Spanish, payaso is the word for clown. So, my ex's grandmother, my ex was, is Mexican, his grandmother thought I was a legitimate clown. Because really? they would tell her, like, I tell jokes. And she goes, oh, ella es un payasa. Es un payasa. And I'm oh, like, I'm wow. not a clown, bro. Why are you making me feel she like She's like with the outfit and everything. Yeah, she got the shoes and the, the makeup. And I was like, no, don't even bother trying to explain. But I saw this woman and I was like, I just knew it. I just knew. I didn't know how I was going to start. And then I started comedy at around like 17 um, I literally started performing around like my high school for like my friends. I would do like little pop up shows, like not even intentionally. We would just be sitting. I was in drama and musical theater, and um, we would be sitting outside the theater, and I would just grab a, a like a hairbrush and pretend it was a microphone, and I would just do some material. But it was like little kid material. It was like you know seventeen year old material. Like y'all see what Mister Fine did in seventeen. <laughs> like <laughs> it was like stuff like that, and yeah. uh, people would be like, "Oh, you're so funny. You should be a comedian." And then I grew up and became a comedian. And I was like, I can't believe what you did with your life. And I'm like, you told me to meet <laughs> You said I should That's what do you this. told me to do, literally. Don't you remember saying that? <laughs> I followed suit. <laughs> so how did you get started? So when you knew you were funny and you were doing yeah. the shows at school, like what was the first time like um you actually got a gig? Like the first, like in front of somebody, open mic or how did um, that work? The first, I remember the first couple of gigs I got were at clubs in New York, um, just I would there's like a whole system in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And the way I started out, and I don't know if the system is the same now for a lot of young comics coming up, but I started doing bringer shows, which is me, which just means you literally have to bring like two or three friends to get on stage. Mm-hmm. But eventually <laughs> you run out of friends. <laughs> so <laughs> you can no longer do bringer shows because <laughs> they have been to so many damn shows yeah, yeah. that they are not interested in them anymore. <laughs> So after that, you do something called barking, which is you stand outside of the comedy club or you stand like 
uh, a couple blocks away from the comedy club with flyers and you hand out flyers. And sometimes you get paid depending on how many people walk in. Like there was one club where I, I had to put my initials on the back of the flyer. And if like I got five people in, then I got $5. But it was only if I got five people in. So if I got four, nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like I did that for like probably like two years. And then I got my first TV credit. And then that helped me get my first TV credit was with Comedy Central. I did a 30 second stand-up comedy promo subway was doing subway and comedy central presents and i did like a 30 second thing and i'm very blonde in that clip <laughs> look it was a phase <laughs> i'm not proud of it, <laughs> it was, i spent a year of my life every shade of blonde and uh oh wow you can't find the clip i will find it for you, I was gonna say, you our producer will post it did you mind no. you, I, <laughs> I was very 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 blonde in that clip and then um then I got my second thing. My two, my first two um, TV uh, things that I did on TV were for Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Both of them were commercials. <clears throat> and one of them I did uh, a 30-second comedy bit that was in my act. And then the second one I played uh, a therapist, sort of, mm-hmm. in their Domino's. It was like Domino's Pizza and Comedy Central Presents. They did like a whole bunch of those like with different foods. And I was like, food and comedy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> When you get when you when you getting these gigs, wow. how are you how are you feeling? Because you telling the story like you would just know you was getting these gigs, but at the time was it like the like you was on like in your mind you was like I'm on the right track. Yeah, I think at the time, like now, I say it because it's stuff. It's so much easier for me to enjoy stuff in retrospect because mm-hmm. when I'm in the middle of doing something, I can only see the working aspect of it. Mm. So okay. when something's done, like when I filmed my first special. I like it wasn't until it aired and I sat and I watched it that I like cried oh. out of like pride and out of being like I, I worked so long for that moment. But mm-hmm. when I was in it, I was like, OK, I got to get the hour right. What am I going to wear? What kind of backdrop do I want? I got to look at the set design today. Like all of it was just I tend to focus on the work that needs to be done. And then afterwards, I can have that moment. And it was only recently that I've started trying to enjoy things in the moment because I realized what I was doing was I was going through the motions and being professional, but I wasn't being grateful. And without that gratitude, nothing else can come your way. Mm. And so now, like when I was filming my uh, special for Amazon, I took a moment like there's a video. I wish I could find this video of the first time I went to the theater. And I just remember my buddy was like taking a video and um, I'm standing on that stage and I started to get emotional because I couldn't believe. Now, you have to understand, quick story about this special, the specialist on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love telling the story because people need to know things are only impossible if you believe they are. And that's a big that's a big thing for me is like mm-hmm. people telling me stuff is impossible is almost a challenge. Where I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember at the time... I was with I was with my former management team and my former agent. They're so great people, but I think after a while in the business, like not every bad not every relationship that ends professionally ends badly. I respect my former team a lot, but the team I have now is they're the people I need to be with now for this stage. So growth. Yeah. Like growth. You grew, okay. You know what I mean? Like and knowing what you need and what you want out of a team is really important. Like some people can just have their team bark orders at them. And then just they, they're like, okay, they're doing their job. I need people that I can communicate with. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I needed that. So like my team at the time, they came to me with two offers. One was a half hour for HBO and one was an hour for Amazon. And they said, which one do you want to do? And I said, both. 
Oh yeah. And everybody went, "Are you crazy?" I was like, "Are what? What are you saying? Why? Why do you think I'm crazy?" And they were like, "You would only have about six months to write an hour special." And I said, "I know. Mm-hmm. I know the work I'm taking on. I know." Mm-hmm. I said, "But." This, the half hour was for HBO Latino. Like, that's my people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I got to do that for my people. So like, was that Easily Offended on? Yeah. That's the name of that one? So Easily Make sure offended. y'all check that one out. Gotcha, easily gotcha, Offended gotcha, on gotcha. HBO. So when they hit me up for that, and the only person I understood was my lawyer. And my lawyer is a black man. And he understood why it was important that I do something for my culture. Yeah. And something for a completely different market. Mm-hmm. The Amazon. He was the only one that got it. He was the only one that went. He he um, spoke to me privately. He called me. And he was like, I understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make it work. Wow. Right? And I was like, okay. And so we made it work legally with everything. And then I busted my hump for those six months to get that special out. So having that moment where I was on the stage and we were like a couple weeks away. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I knew I was pregnant at this time. I had just found out I was pregnant a week before we filmed the special. Wow. Because I had no idea. <laughs> so um, at this point, I'm standing in this, the, the theater and I'm standing on this stage and I'm just like, everything kind of hit me, all the work I had put into it. And I started to kind of get a little choked up. But it's my favorite moment. I think about that moment a lot because it was in that moment that I really started to give thanks. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, to whatever, like whatever you believe in, whatever higher power you believe in, if you believe in the universe, energy, I think it's all connected regardless. But yeah. that's just me. Mm-hmm. But you have to give thanks. And I took that moment to just be so thankful for everything that had come my way. And the special is something I'm so proud of. I'm so proud of like all the work I'm proud of, but like Congratulations. the floor is lava. Congratulations. That special. That is dope. Which just won a Gracie award. And that for me, like was like, they called me up and my manager called me up. I was like, you won an award for your special. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what, like a Grammy or something? <laughs> they were like, you won a Gracie Award. And I didn't know what the Gracie Awards were until I looked them up, and they're a pretty big deal within the industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I found that out, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I saw like, that I was going to mention it, but then you brought it up. It's like yes. a women's empowerment thing. Yes. Like, explain what a Gracie Award is. Yeah, essentially, it's for women in the industry that have done, like, phenomenal projects or, or recognizable projects and it's everybody in the industry like these are big time directors big time actors and you know big people in the industry have gotten gracie awards and i didn't realize what a big deal it was in the industry yeah. Yeah. it's like which one of the award shows i forget is um the one that the fans vote on is that the screen actors guild awards i can't people's remember. choice awards i have right. no idea people's choice maybe it's people's yeah, choice it might be something like that like those are the kind of awards that you just look at and you're like you feel so honored yeah. because mm-hmm. I felt so honored. And I always like anything that um any kind of like awards or whatever that people or accolades people have given me for comedy. Like I'm so thankful for because you work so hard for it. And a lot of times and this is something sort of AGT related when we talk about comics on America's Got Talent. A lot of people don't realize how much work goes into comedy. Mm-hmm. So when people are like, I think they asked me once, like, like, why do I think a comedian's never won? And I said, because all of our work is behind the scenes. A, a real a real professional comedian will make it look effortless. Yeah. And when you're on that stage and you make it look effortless and you're up against dancers and singers and acrobats and everybody else and they're dealing with fire and flipping puppies or whatever they're Cutting doing. Cutting people in half and shit. Exactly. <laughs> they look like they're working 10 times harder than you. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, as a comedian who knows what they're doing, you're connecting a room full of people with your ideas, your stories, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks at the behind the scenes work. And that's why I think a comedian has never won. I think that's that's life. Yeah. Period. You know, like you'll look at a, a nurse or a doctor and you're like, oh, they're doing all this work. But someone has to be behind the scenes making sure that they do certain things, yep. get patience and everything. So if you can't see it, it's like, she's just up there making jokes and you know, yeah. and it's not, someone had to think about these jokes. Yeah. She had to write these jokes out. She had to plan them. She had to, yeah. yeah so. Everybody's like, if she only had a more tragic backstory, <laughs> <laughs> she should have lost a limb during the show. <laughs> and, and then they, and then they, they go with you like three minutes or something like that or less than that. Yeah. It's you got like, like a, two minutes, I think. Yeah. It's not like enough time for you to create these massive stories with these massive punchlines. You yeah. gotta That's be really skilled. Deal. Like, I'll be honest with you. Kudos to any comedian that has done a show like AGT because to take two minutes and be able to have people connect with you with that two minutes yeah. is that's an art in itself. But yep. you hit though. You, yep. you know what's funny? You I, did wasn't, it. I wasn't <laughs> nervous that they weren't going to laugh because I've been in the business long enough where I was like, I know what I'm doing. Right. But, oh yes, coffee. <laughs> but I was, I was more nervous or anxious about the fact that I was like, what if I do good, but not good enough? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what if I do good, but they're like, you're not a good fit. For the judges. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, that might happen. And I had to make my peace with any outcome mm-hmm. because there are things that are outside of my control. All I can mm-hmm. do is what's within my control, which mm-hmm. is go up there with confidence, perform to the best of my ability, and then walk away knowing that I did my job. Yeah. And so it was like, regardless of what happens, like the look of relief you see at the end of my set is literally <laughs> <laughs> me having just been like, Oh, thank God it's over now. Like I did it and it went good right. and it's done. I'm done. Like I was almost not, I was almost going to walk off stage before they even said anything and be like, thank you. Good night. Just leave. <laughs> be like, can y'all just mail me the results? Let me know. Don't even right. tell me right now. But I was so relieved because mm-hmm. all the pressure was off. It had gone well. I had had fun. Yeah. And, and that was it, you know. Well, I got questions watching the show. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it randomly off and on for a long time. That place looks huge is that like a stadium like how many people were there it looks huge it's a big theater i'm not gonna lie it's a big theater that they mm-hmm. were in mm-hmm. um but i think for some reason on tv like i looked at it and maybe it was just because i wouldn't focus on that in the moment mm-hmm. like i was literally just looking at the judges and like listening to the the people that were uh, in the audience yeah and it was just like okay just focus on that and i think part of that was having toured with gabriel iglesias like i toured with gabe a lot and he does arenas mm-hmm. and i remember when i started doing arenas one y'all have to know i have i am petrified of heights uh oh! Like people think I'm joking when I say I will start shaking and crying. I am petrified of heights. And oh, wow. being on stage at an arena, the stage is a good couple of feet, like off the ground. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. high up there. And then you look out and you're in this massive arena, which is dizzying in itself. Mm-hmm. So the first time I went up, like I I would just look at the first couple of rows, <laughs> and I was like, just look at them. Just right. don't look anywhere else. Just look at that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just, and I remember at one point I looked up and like in my head, I was like, and then I stepped off stage and Gabe was like, so how did you like performing in an arena? And I was like, I just can't look up, man. <laughs> I'll be fine. I just can't look up. man. I look up and I look out. It's too much. <laughs> but I think because of that kind of training, when I was, when I was on stage there, I was like, just look at the first couple of rows. <laughs> like, I was like, just keep looking at the first couple of rows. 
Well, and you had to out. get used to it because it said you went on a 46-city tour with Gabriel Iglesias. So oh, yeah. you got used to it, huh? Oh, yeah. That was a crazy fun time, though. Like, being on tour is like, to me, it was really fun. But I think it's also because I was just on a tour and I wasn't, like, the main person. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure for Gabriel, it's a lot more stressful. And it's like, because, you know, he's the one that calls the shots. Like, mm-hmm. you talk about learning from somebody who is a boss in his field, like, that man is an entrepreneur. He is also one of the smartest people I have ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Business-wise, he is smart. Just comedy-wise, he he knows so much. He's such a student of comedy. And we had some great conversations. But I learned so much just watching him work, just watching a man that just doesn't stop. Like, he's touring, I think, 40, 42 weeks out of the year or something like that. Oh, he's, wow. He is constantly, constantly on tour. Like, I thought mm-hmm. I had a work ethic, and then I worked with him, and I was like, well, damn. <laughs> well, damn, I'll step it up then. Okay. I saw you were in a movie with him, so how would you yeah. describe him as, like, maybe a mentor? Like, how has 100%. he affected your career? I would say he's definitely been a mentor. Mm-hmm. A mentor and a friend. Like, I'll tell a story about him. Like, this is my favorite Gabe story. I'll tell, like, two stories. <laughs> because this just displays what, like, a kind-hearted person he is. Um, I was in a really toxic relationship and uh, it had ended and me and Gabe were like friends and we had kind of talked. I had gone on a couple of dates with him, like in terms of tour dates. Mm-hmm. And like he was he found out that everything had kind of fallen apart. And this was like seven years of my life that had fallen apart because my career picked up. Essentially, mm-hmm. that's why stuff really started going south. But the relationship was toxic anyway. Mm-hmm. But Gabe texted me and he was like, hey, how's everything going? I, I know you're going through it right now. You know, how are you doing? And I was like, honestly, I'm not great. Um, everything's coming kind of to an end right now. And I have to figure out a lot of stuff about my life that's going to change. But, you know, it is what it is. There's This is just what's happening right now. And he was like, well, are you at least working this weekend? And I was like, on top of that, I don't have no work this weekend. <laughs> and because he knows, like, for me and him, comedy is such therapy. Like, when I'm going through it, it's almost better the more I'm working. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's too much time. And, and this helps me. Comedy helps me. Because I've always healed through laughter. Mm-hmm. So when I can write about something that I'm going through and then I can make other people laugh through it, it's part of my healing as well. And so he knows that about me. So he was like, well, would you like to come to Vegas and work with me and the guys this weekend? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yes, sir. <laughs> and within an hour, his tour manager had sent me uh, plane tickets, all the information, everything, right? Wow. Yeah. Flew out there. He sat with me, had a whole conversation with me about, you know, how it's good that I, you know, get rid of toxic people that, you know, I'm on my way up and I I can't be around that kind of energy. And we just had a really nice heart to heart. Fast forward to a couple of couple of months out of the relationship. Um, Or maybe it was was that that same show. I don't know. My memory be forgetting. I just be forgetting. It's mom memory now. Like my mom brain is terrible. But I doing a show with Gabriel and I was at a point where, you know, sometimes money's tight. Right. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I had one of those. Cell, all about it. I had one right. of those. Uh, one of those cell phones that only worked if you plugged it in the wall. Damn. <laughs> oh wow. Gotta be on the charger. <laughs> yeah. That kind of real broke, broke. You know, broke, broke. Did you, broke, did, broke. you did you have to wiggle the wire? And Hell shit? yeah. <laughs> you gotta bend it just a little. Gotta bend wiggle the wire because I'm not buying another charger. Hell no. Nah, you should see charger. mine right, right now. You wrap a little. <laughs> exactly. If you just wrap the cord a little bit, like oh, it's gonna it. work. It's gonna work. <laughs> So I was in my my dressing room 
and um gabe always had like people like if you have if you're working with him he always had like your food in the dressing room like i have a lot of food allergies which really sucks because i love food but i have a lot of food allergies like i'm allergic to eggs i can't have uh, cheese i can't like there's a lot of stuff oh wow dairy? yeah girl oh, i'm sorry i did it I'm for a long time it. and just messed up my stomach because i was like oh, okay <laughs> just shoveling ice cream <laughs> in my mouth messing up my insides <laughs> but like I'm so glad like, you stopped that. I know, me too. Before I came egg. to the studio, you should be glad. <laughs> like, did you have cheese? <laughs> Everybody that interviews me should ask me, did you have cheese? Before you came, real quick. You got any cheese? Before we start right now. <laughs> Dude, should we crack a window? What's going to oh, go on now? And so I'm in my dressing room and he comes in and he's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, did you bring your purse with you? And I go, yeah, I brought my purse with me. And he goes, all right, come with me. And I'm like, we stealing stuff? Like, I was like, Gabe, I didn't realize we get down like that. <laughs> I take my, my purse and we go into uh, his green room and he hands me a brand new iPhone. This is when iPhone 5 came out. He handed me a brand new iPhone 5. And he was like, I know you're never going to do this for yourself. And he gave it to me. And I started crying because I was like, I can't even pay you back for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I can't take this because I can't even go. I really wish I could take this. <laughs> and he like, he was like, look, he was like, you don't got to pay me back for this phone. Just when you have the opportunity to do something like this for somebody, do it. Yeah. And I took that That's with dope. me. And like, this is the kind of person that he is, which is why, like, when people ask me about him, like, First of all, don't you dare talk about Fluffy in my presence if you're not saying good stuff. You don't know it's serious dare. when you say the nickname. Yes. You know it's serious. Don't you dare say anything <laughs> negative about Fluffy in my presence because that is my friend. Yeah. But he is also just a great man and a wonderful person to learn from. So, like, a super thankful for our continued friendship because even when he found out, like, uh, that I was pregnant and that the pandemic hit, like, he was texting me. He was like, if you need anything, he was like, you just don't hesitate to call me. That's dope. Yeah. That's, yeah. dope. Like, nice That's a real like, friend right yeah. there. Robert, add the music to the story. Add the music to the story. <laughs> Hell yeah, shit. Add the I'm sad music. Up. Add the yeah, sad add music. Add the sad music. That is a good story. <laughs> good man. That's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you tell that story on AGT, see if it gets me any points. <laughs> now, I read here that you were a singer, a published writer, and a poet. Okay, let me explain something to y'all. I sang in church. I'm not going to drop the hottest album of 2021. Okay. <laughs> when people put singer on my damn resume, people are like, ooh, you sing? Right. Like, no, 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 no. I sang for the Lord. I sang for him. Yeah. I'm, I've done my time as an alto in praise team. Seven years. Seven hey, years of singing praise Not team. that I know exactly what you're talking about. Listen, the family gonna watch this like the praise team is a whole different scene. It is a different story when you are on praise team in a church. Okay, it is a different story. First of all, that praise team was like, it was like boot camp because our praise team leader was who's my ex was literally the type to smash on the piano. If you've been to, this is why I love like black churches because y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> when the praise team leader is yelling at the praise team during the damn service, <laughs> like he forgot all the Jesus that's supposed to be in him. Just banging on the piano like, you're Whoa. flat. Yep. <laughs> Pick it up, you're flat. <laughs> you're just like, Jesus. Boy. Oh my God. Was he aggressive with the points? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> You be like, this ain't practice. This ain't wow. practice. Did he stand up with the piano? When motherfuckers stand up with the piano I and still be going, they be pointing this shit. 
angry, angry. They give you that look first. <laughs> that you'll get the look first. You know it's you. Oh, uh, like, you know it's you. You get the look first, and if you don't fix it, <laughs> you don't. Fi- he turned off my microphone a couple times. <laughs> I was like, you really didn't do that. He pulled it out. You ain't gonna do what I you know what? You no outro. <laughs> oh, oh no. shit! Oh, no. I had a praise team where it was like individual <laughs> singers. Yo, three of us. Oh. One alto, one soprano, and then some girl that used to float between alto and tenor. Had <laughs> a float around there. And then my ex, who used to sing tenor and alto all the time, used to float between those two. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to sing right now. Cause I'm trying to listen to somebody. I'm listening to the soprano trying to find the note. Hey, that man oh, looked at you. Shit, I gotta go to this church, I'm nigga. You. <laughs> shit, I'm done with singing. I'm about to do comedy, goddamn. Fuck it. Floaters and shit. Was you get paid? Were you get paid? Uh uh-uh, uh. I was yeah. paid with my spirit. I was paid in my spirit. <laughs> because you know the Ministry of Music get yes, paid. Yes. That, that nigga get paid. The, the, the singers don't get paid. It's so much stuff in the church, bro. Yeah. Man, the church ain't right. That's why he's serious. And you looking at like. The church ain't right sometimes. Right. Yeah, I, he's like, I ain't getting paid for this. Well, he was the pastor's son, so he wasn't getting paid for it. Oh, he was a pastor's son. Yeah. Oh, wow. Was it a small church? Yeah, it was a small That's church. That's different. Yeah. In the small church, there is no music ministry of music. You either pastor's son or you the family member. 100%. Yeah, 100%. that's it. I was a ministry of music in my church. So I already know. Yeah. So you was getting paid? I played three songs, nigga. <laughs> I knew the piano off of three songs, and the person that taught me was just like that. Yeah. He'd be like, you fat. You're pressing the rubber key. <laughs> You used to hit me in my head with a ruler, bro. I'm telling you. In front of my page. I was like, what the fuck? That's trauma. That is trauma. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm playing basketball. <laughs> I used to be standing there like, you see Damn, this the Jesus? the church is hard. Yeah. I didn't know the church was Lord. that hard. Oh, the church go hard. <laughs> I didn't know the church was that hard. Yeah. Boy, you, hey, stay after church service. Nigga. I'm telling you. After church service, that second one? Oh, why, man. Do, why do you think the usher board looks so mean? Usher board is mean as hell. Yeah, why do you think they hilarious, bro. You knew you was about to get hit. You come wow. in there messing up. Yeah. Oh, spit that oh, gum oh. out. Spit the, spit the gum out. Aggressive? Yeah, the white, the, the white cloth. Oh, <laughs> listen. Like, give me that. kind of aggressive, ain't you? And then if, if he's preaching, then you know you got to... Yeah, no. don't come uh, here. Don't move. Don't come in here. <laughs> Yo, the don't funniest man. is our church was um, majority like a, a Mexican congregation. We had a lot mm-hmm. of Mexican members. We had a lot of Mexican pastors. Um, so the the service was always in Spanish. So if you didn't understand Spanish, and I understood Spanish, I speak it a lot better now. Like in the beginning, I was trash, but like <laughs> I got a lot better at Spanish now. And um, like we had a translator one time. One of the brothers from our church tried to play translator. Oh man. <laughs> so bad <laughs> <laughs> like all of us that spoke spanish we was looking at each other like that's not even what he just said <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just making up stuff he was the one point. that volunteered too they, they're the ones that mess up when they volunteered he's like, and then the me. lord said do not do park in the parking spot in front of the church because that belongs like, to brother leo and I'm like that's not part of the preaching everything <laughs> I, that. I just want to go to this church. I gotta go to this church. Listen, yeah, we just gonna go just so we can just see, so you can see some of the ridiculous, see the humble things. beginnings of. Man, my dad, my dad used to run a, 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 a small church. Man, I was everything in that dang old church. Yep. Yeah. Everything. Well, you ran the church. I, man, I was master. That's, <laughs> really, that's where I, I do comedy too. And okay. that's really where I got my comedy from because they would put me in front of people. Yep. That's all they would do. They'd be like, Master Ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the 3 p.m. service. <laughs> and you'd be like, Okay. Yeah. Okay. They'd be like, Do the dance and the jokes that you <laughs> Do the running man right quick. <laughs> you were the entertainment. Okay. Entertainment. I didn't know that. Me and my me and my cousin, we had we had a whole little rap for the church, 
That's it was so nothing funny. but 90 year olds out there, bro. He was up there. <laughs> oh That's hilarious. I remember they brought a rapper into one of the churches I went to. So I've been through several churches in my life. The most impactful was the Apostolic Church, which I was in for seven years. Mm-hmm. But before that was Presbyterian. And I remember I went to this little white Presbyterian church. Me and my moms was the only Spanish people up in that church. And wow. they bought. <laughs> it was my idea too. So I like I said, they. It was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> we bought this rapper, this Christian rapper from this Spanish church that I knew, and I was like, "Yo, it's gonna be lit. Everybody gonna love it." I was mm-hmm. like, "They gonna love this guy. He has so much passion." He mm-hmm. started rapping, and you could see all these old white people in the congregation was like, <laughs> <laughs> "She bought the devil in our house." Like you could just see their face, and I was like, "He talk about Jesus. He talk about Jesus. Listen to what he saying. He talk about Jesus. He talk oh, about man. Jesus." Yo. Too hard. Yeah, people don't be ready for that. They don't really be ready for that. Yo, Not the old when, school. When the first time I seen a, a gospel rapper, he was too hard. Yeah. He, he was like, hard, love hard. Jesus. <laughs> Are you going to die? Love Jesus. Are you going to die? He was and like, okay. Hard, okay. Like, shoot. He was at a lock-in, too. That nigga was there all night. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <you> ain't leaving? <laughs> When do this nigga leave? Right. That was that. This is an intermission. Right. <laughs> We're going to yeah, the bathroom. Go we'll be back. <laughs> going to the bathroom. <laughs> Please. I no. used to always get in trouble for making little jokes when they would be preaching or talking about stuff. Like, I remember we was in uh, youth group childish. one time. I'm mad childish. We was in youth group this one time. And oh, the lady man. was reading from the Bible. She goes, Jesus comes. Like a no. thief in the night, and I went through the window. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "I'm gonna need you to stop." <laughs> you said that's how they be getting in. Through I just want to know. Yeah, I don't know how we get in. <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> do he come through the roof like Santa Claus? Like what? Tell me how he get in. I thought he was cutting that mic yeah. off. I'm gonna leave some cookies for Jesus. I want to know where I leave the Jesus cookies. <laughs> I'm gonna leave him them wafers. That I want with. him to have easy access. I don't. I don't want him to struggle getting in. I'm gonna give him the communion. The communion wafers. Like right. here's your body back. I should have right. your body. Here's no, your body. Stop. Here's your body. Just like, get your body. Here's your body. Come get your body, Jesus. Come get your body. They really be in church giving us them stale ass breads, man. Hey, horrible. Hey, but when but when you hungry, mm-hmm. and you're a little thirsty. thirsty. <laughs> you thirsty. Yeah, can I get two servings of, right. of Jesus, please? I'm going to get two servings. I need double to Jesus. I need double Jesus It's been right a now. rough year. I need, <laughs> yeah. I need two. Oh, Let me get a couple of them. Let me get a couple of them. For my mama. For yeah. my mama. I'm going to take them. She can't get up. She's in the back. Let me just get a couple take back to her. Let me run this Jesus back to my mama. Oh, my God. The base is chill. It's a chill. All right, let's get into oh, this. There you have a new animated project about to yes. come out. Tell us about the name because when I read it, I was like, what is this about? Welcome to okay. Smellville. Tell us all about it. Okay, well, oh, a Smellyville? It, it might be Smellville or Smellyville. Um, <laughs> one of the two. Um, so I got approached by the people at HBO Latino. They were doing a, an animated project. And mm-hmm. they were like, we would love for you to be a part of it. And I've always wanted to do an animated project. Mm-hmm. I think they're so fun. And I've done a ton of voiceovers, but, you know, people be hating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like her. And, and <laughs> people be hating. <laughs> Y'all ain't booked me. It's okay. <laughs> but Smellyville did. <laughs> it's actually like the American adaptation of a German movie now. To know why this is so important, you have to know that I am obsessed with learning German. I'm studying German right now. Okay. And um, I love languages. Like I'm studying German, Italian. Um, I'm trying desperately to get better at conjugating in Spanish. So mm-hmm. that too, German, Italian, and French are the three languages that I'm working on now. Where do you find the time? Go ahead. <laughs> it was a long pandemic. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so when I found out that it was a the, talking the, to everybody when this is over. Everybody, everybody gonna get this conversation. Everybody, every language, every language. <laughs> 
France. No matter where itself. I go, God damn. <laughs> so like that when I found dope, out though, that this actually. was a, a movie that was done in, in Germany first, I was like fascinated by it because, you know, Germans have a very specific sense of humor and they're very like they, they can be considered oddballs. Like I have a lot of German friends and just like the way they think and the way they work. Like mm-hmm. and my brother, my brother loves German men. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's gay. Um, <laughs> you almost got that one passed, man. Almost, Hold on. almost had to throw that out there. Like, mm, <laughs> let me just throw that out there. Um, and so my brother started the obsession with speaking German because my brother speaks like conversational German and he listens to German pop music. So when I was living with my brother, because when I got out of that bad relationship, I ended mm-hmm. up living with my brother. And I was living with him for, for like two or three years. He would play German pop music while we would cook. So it was like a nice little memory, like of us, him teaching me some German. And so just that that was tied to the project. That was like, <laughs> I'm so soft, bro. Um, so are you crying again? <laughs> I'm crying again. Damn. <laughs> so then um, I got to film the project. I got to go and like they, they shot some behind the scenes that you guys will get to see. Like once they start releasing the footage, because they mm-hmm. were like, um, they wanted to shoot the filming in New York because I had to go to a studio in New York and record all the lines. And it was so much fun. It was it was so much fun. Like, I hope I get to do another animated project. Mm-hmm. Let me speak it into existence. I will get to do there another. You animated oh, you will. You yeah. And you will, so, even though they be hating. You they will. Be hating, they be hating. <laughs> they still gonna be hating. They still gonna be hating, but like somebody, somebody's gonna see it. <laughs> and so, um, I'm. I was so excited. I'm so excited for people to see the movie because the movie itself is based off this family, and there's so much meaning behind this film. And I love things that have like that hidden gem kind of meaning to them. And there's a family, and they're like, um, they're looking for a place to live. They're like this, these green little alien looking like creatures <laughs> and they eat garbage and they smell weird. And they're like, you know, and so they're looking for a place that they couldn't call home. Like their home was destroyed and they find this like garbage dump and they make this happy home in this garbage dump. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when the people in the town find out that they're there because they're different and because they're new, they want them out. And they end up realizing that having this family there actually would help out the town mm-hmm. if they would have just let them like live their life and just kind of like it's kind of like through a series of lessons and you really get to kind of learn more about what it is to truly accept people and yeah. accept differences and that's what i loved about the movie is this theme of like acceptance mm-hmm. and just in learning from each other because they meet these two little kids and they become friends with the kids and they learn so much from the kids and it's just a beautiful film I think for children about like being different and not being afraid to be different yeah, and then acceptance of other people who are different from you. So I think it's just a really great message. Nice. It sounds dope. Okay. I'll it's have always it. a nice message in those animated yes, movies. That's I why. love that. Yeah. <laughs> How you crying and shit? You're trying to watch a cartoon with your nephew. Like, <laughs> these messages are too deep for these kids. I can't right. even take it. They were right. wiping your tears. <laughs> it's okay. I can't do it. I'm too old for this shit. Wait, I do have to get these questions out, though. Yes, I yes. have to get these first. So we ask all comedians or all guests that come on our show five questions. We need some drones. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Two categories. Okay. Your favorite movie, comedy movie. Five. Five of them. Yep. Five of them? And five okay. comedians. And five comedians. Top yeah. five. Okay. Yeah. Top five. 
Top five comedy movies. First one is Sister Act. I love Sister Act. I will love it till the day I die. You can't tell me it's not a great wow. movie. This is, this is, this is. If you tell me it's not a great movie, we are not friends. <laughs> okay. I will not talk to you. I love Whoopi Goldberg. I know Sister Act, the first one, I can do it almost verbatim, the whole movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second one is obviously lit because <laughs> Sister Act 2 is also on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so one and two, Sister Act, and then Sister Act 2. I was wondering about Sister Act 2. Most people say Sister Act 2. So here's a little insider information. Was you in it? Uh oh. So no. I'm about to but say. Imagine. <laughs> imagine. I was like, uh, you can see your girl in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, she was in the back. <laughs> I, was I was in, in that motherfucker. Like, I was one of the choir members. <laughs> Singing. I was one getting mic. yelled at. I was one getting yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi was like, you flat. <laughs> so, <laughs> in Sister Act two. So when I'm, I I did the view right, and the only reason I was like, okay, I was excited to do the view. I shouldn't say the only reason, but I knew Whoopi Goldberg was on the view, and I was That's like, <laughs> <laughs> he started crying. I was sitting, so I was sitting in the makeup chair, and and um and I'm getting my makeup done by the makeup artist, and I'm going, man, I'm so nervous. I want, I want to meet Whoopi so bad. I'm such a big fan. Yeah. And then I hear over the loudspeaker, Whoopi Goldberg, please report to makeup. And I go, because <laughs> I'm in makeup. And so she comes in and she sits next to me, and I'm frozen. And the makeup artist goes, are you okay? And I was like, I can't feel my legs. The <laughs> <laughs> body just locked up. Eventually, we, like, she introduced me to Whoopi, and we start talking. And she tells her that Sister Act's my favorite movie. And, and then Whoopi goes, well, I don't know if you noticed it, because a lot of people didn't. My daughter is in the second Sister Act. Like, she's in Sister Act 2. Mm-hmm. And she's a really tall, light-skinned girl. I, and, like, if you know what Whoopi, Whoopi's daughter looks like, you can find her like this if you watch Sister Act 2. Mm-hmm. So if you look her up, like, you'll be able to find her. Mm-hmm. But um, when she told me that, I went right back and watched Sister Act 2. And I was like, there she is! <laughs> <laughs> That's all right there! <laughs> so, one and two is uh, Sister Act, the Sister Act 2. Cool. The third one, Tango and Cash. If you haven't seen this movie, never I, heard of that movie. I know You never heard of Tango and Cash? No. Tango and Cash Everybody is one heard of, that of movie my before? favorite, what? favorite buddy cop movies. <laughs> because it's that typical what year story. What was that? It's, man, it's, it's, man, look, it's pre-Lethal Weapon, man. That's it your, is, it is. That's, you know, I mean, you Wait like from Lethal me? Weapon. And that's funny because Lethal Weapon's the next one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Tango and Cash. That's number three. Oh, 1989. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, way yeah, before yeah. my time. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. I'm right before here, you bro. was here. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting right next to right, you, Right, he bro. makes me like he's 25. You were, yeah. you were present. You were present. <laughs> you were, you were an earthling they at must that time. Been past <laughs> then. They must have I don't know. And then, like, so uh, Tango and Cash, I just love their – I love uh, Sylvester Stallone's chemistry – uh, in that movie with mm-hmm. it, all of his co-stars because Terry Hatcher's in that movie and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a dope film. Like, Sound like you're a movie it. buff, too. That should have been in your credits. Yes, I love <laughs> movies. I watch movies all the time. Yeah, because he's throwing them out there. Yeah. 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 Time, we yeah. have a little a Cracking our face with these. Yeah, yeah, like, so boom, 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 Okay, boom. so then it goes um, Lead the Weapon, the first one. I'm going to start with the first one because I respect all of them, even the bad ones. The, I know. Yeah. Um, I, but the first one, the first <laughs> Lead the Weapon, yes. where... Uh, the, that movie? Yes. I was like, I was in it. <laughs> I was in it. I was I'm like, don't you hurt Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey, you better leave Mel Gibson alone. <laughs> so, so I, uh, that, and then the final one, The Fifth Element. The Fifth, fifth Element. element. Oh. The Fifth Element. That's a sleeper. Damn. That's a sleeper because a lot of people yes. haven't watched The Fifth Element Watch because the- it's because it's one of those movies where you expect more from it. Yeah, but it's a sleeper, and if you actually watch it, it's a good ass. Yeah, it's it a is. really because what Chris Tucker is message. in it. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen it. So I met Chris Tucker at an event, right? Uh-huh. And. <laughs> 
Uh-oh. Like a dummy. The first thing I said it was like, I love the fifth element. Ah! I don't mention Friday. I don't mention the joint did with Jackie Chan. Like, Rush hour. I'm like, I love the fifth element. And he looked at me like, hey, yeah, look at the fuck. That's what you like. I'm going to mention Friday. Out of all my shit, that's money, it. Was it Money Talk or nothing? All of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Money Talk. <laughs> that was my shit. Yo, so those are mine, my, my, my five. Okay. And then when it comes to comedians, okay. This, this one's a little harder because, like, for me, there's so many comedians I love. I'm such a comedy nerd. But, yeah. Um, okay, first one I have to put is George Carlin. Love George Carlin. Um, okay. I would put Dope. Brett Butler first, but I ended up actually becoming a, a huge George Carlin fan because of Brett Butler. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. put her second. But like, I became a huge fan because of Brett Butler. Okay. Um, I love George Carlin mainly because he didn't always have to be funny, but he always had to make a point. So when Every you watch his time. stuff, like you're you're gotta you really gotta really pay attention to what he's saying because there's so much truth that he speaks about the world and how it functions. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that even in his autobiography, because I read his autobiography, um, he says he his transition, his growth as an artist all happened on camera. So mm-hmm. if you watch special number one and then the last special he did, you can literally see him grow as an artist. He was like, I was at a place where I was getting so much TV work and it was I was doing stuff I didn't want to do on TV because I was changing as an artist. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff is documented on TV because people just I just was lucky enough to get that much work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just I really am sort of envious of his fearlessness because he was so fearless up yeah. there. Like he really just went for it. So he's definitely my number 1, Brett Butler's number 2. Um Richard Pryor's number 3. Um okay. Pryor because he was such an innovator. He was the first person that you could really say was 100% real on that stage. Like, even when it came to his own change, Mm -hmm. even when after he, you know, had been through the fire after everything. Yeah. You know, he was even real about making jokes about himself in that part of his life. So Pryor is one of the people that I'm like, you definitely have to know the legend in this business. Like when I meet comics that are like, I don't watch comedy. I'm like, that's like a musician telling me he doesn't listen to Prince or he doesn't listen to and like well you don't listen to the legends in your own business mm-hmm. like why would you not want to you hear that a lot though because, we hear that a lot because people are like oh i don't want to be affected mm-hmm. by them and i'm like i just i i think it's such a disservice you do to yourself when you don't learn from the legends that came before you mm-hmm. where it's like i'm not like carlin at all mm-hmm. but there's so much i can learn from watching him like i'm not a sam kinnison fan but I know why he was a legend and I know why he was great at what he did. Yeah. So you you know, you look at you look at the just the whole of someone's work and someone's career and you can learn so much. Mm-hmm. Even somebody like Bill Hicks, who was another person who did not need to be funny all the time, but always needed to make a point. If you watched Bill Hicks documentary or you watch some of his sets, he was talking about stuff that people are talking about now. And it's been a conspiracy since back then. Mm-hmm. Like he was openly talking about advertisements and what they what they sell us mm-hmm. or how they sell it to us versus what they're selling us. And so when you look at people like that, there's so much you learn. There's a wealth of knowledge out there from people like that. So th- those are my, my first three. And my last two, I'm going to go with Lily Tomlin because Lily Tomlin, even though stand-up wasn't the only thing that she did or being funny wasn't the only thing she did, mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin is one of those people who was so versatile as a performer. Her versatility alone should amaze people. Between acting, comedy, sketch, I mean, 
Lily Tomlin is a beast. She's mm-hmm. been a beast, and she's still around, and she's still working. Mm-hmm. So I give it up to to Lily Tomlin for that. And I'm gonna my last one's gonna be Margaret Cho, and I'll tell you why. Wow. Um, I like her. Growing up, when I was I was obsessed with comedy, so I would watch every comedian based sitcom. And Margaret Cho had a had a sitcom of her own called All American Girl. And I loved <laughs> All American Girl because she was the most ethnic person besides Claire Huxtable that I was mm-hmm. seeing on comedian based sitcoms. I was like, she looks different from everybody. And so was some something I could kind of relate to was how she felt like an outsider amongst her own like people, her own family. Like she really felt like she stood out because her opinions were different. Her, you know, just her personality was different. Mm-hmm. And she has a special. Her first ever special, uh, I believe it was her first ever special, called I'm the One That I Want. It's a stand-up special. If you get a chance, watch that special because she's talking some real shit in that special. Like I'm the she, one that I want. Yeah, she has a bit, and it stuck out to me to the point where when I did her podcast, I bought it up to her. I said, this bit stuck out in my head for years, and I remind myself of it all the time. Mm-hmm. She talks about All-American Girl and how you know she went through such scrutiny about her weight and how she physically looked for that. To the point where she was at a press conference and she was the, the, the smallest she'd ever been. Like she was legitimately starving herself. Like she was just not treating herself good because everybody was telling her she was too fat to be on camera. She was too this. Like her agent called her. She has a bit about that too, about wearing a mini skirt on camera. and was like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> like it was literally like that deep. People were getting at her that much for how she looked. And she's at this press conference and one of the people at the press conference said, they like, Miss Cho, is it true that you had to lose weight to play yourself on your sitcom. Wow. Wow. And she said, and she, she was like, and I was just so hungry. She was like, I was <laughs> so hungry. That's all I could think about in that moment was how hungry I was. <laughs> but it's such a deep thing where it yeah. was like, they made you change how you looked to fit what they thought you should look like. Yeah. Like, this is why it's so important to me to watch a lot of these innovators, like the people like Margaret Cho was the first person in in the world of like comedy besides Sarah Silverman, who's another one that gets props for being like real ballsy and just saying whatever. And her stuff can be goofy and silly, but she has mm-hmm. a lot of lessons in her stuff as well. Yeah. You know, when you really start looking through people's bits and like finding the gems of what they're trying to teach you. Like, it's so worth it to go back and watch some of these, you know, legendary comedians, even if you're not a big fan, because you might be able to pick out something that you love. Yeah. You know, so those those are my that's a long winded version. of my That life. was you that are was, a student was, of the yeah. game. Uh, <laughs> that was we like that, though. We the like that, detailed though. list that we done ever had. On this <laughs> and, and the fact that <clears throat> the fact that only a woman has done it here. Yeah. yeah. You remember. And it was the best list. No, you remembered the number of your, you didn't have to say, where am I at? Like, am I nope. number one? Or you're like, okay, so that is, yeah. So my third. <laughs> my five. You knew. You How already. I the first woman. She might be the first person ever. No. That's, <laughs> no. Dang, she ain't I, be the first I, woman. I said a woman did it. A woman did it on the show. Let me get my props, though. <laughs> why? You know, why you give her props. There we go. There we go. There we go. It ain't you. It's her. <laughs> there she, we go. She talking about this shit every day. There, there we go. She and be like, we need a woman on the show. <laughs> like, we depriving her of women. You obviously <laughs> are. They are. They are. They, they, there we go. No. Okay, so one more question. Uh-huh. 
you said it on your on, on your uh, stand up, but I don't know if that's true. You said if you could be any other profession, you would be uh, you would give dating advice. Hell yeah, that's what you. I would okay. give dating advice. You know how nosy I am. I would give. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I love giving relationship advice um, because I've always been fascinated by relationships and how they work. Like I wanted to be a sex therapist for a while because I was fascinated by the fact Flash. that sex can mess up. <laughs> A relationship. I was so fascinated with how people were obsessed with sex, how people, it's so funny how people are obsessed with it and yet don't bother finding out what their partner's into. How are you obsessed with this part of your relationship, but you don't bother having a conversation first? When I first met my husband, um, I remember us having a conversation because I was, and he was very kind of shut off because he's a a white boy from the Midwest. And he was like, I don't talk about this. But I was like, (laughs) If I don't know what you're into, and if you can't be honest about what you're into, we're gonna have a lot of a lot of problems. Yeah, because it's it, this is not the only thing, but it can affect our relationship if you can't even be honest with me about what you like or don't like. Mm-hmm. Because that's gonna run it. We're gonna run into a lot of miscommunications if you can't just be honest with me about this thing. What I'm telling you is the judgment free zone. I'm not here to judge you. I just need to know: Do we match up in what we like? Because mm-hmm. if we don't, then we're going to have to figure something out. But people don't want to have that conversation. No, they mm-hmm. do not. No, they want to jump right into the sex part and just what? Hope it goes well? Ew. Yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is amazing. Yeah. I feel like maybe is it because like the ego thing, like, sorry, fellas, feel free. Have, to, have fun. Feel, feel free to chime in. Go but I, I feel like men automatically think that they know what a woman likes and don't like to be told like <laughs> you're trash in this area. We can fix it. Yeah. But just because someone else may have liked it or lied to you, whichever one mm-hmm. that may be, you think that everyone else, I think with a lot of men, that is absolutely true because they don't want to have the conversation, but it's also true about a lot of women mm-hmm. because what happens with a lot of women is that we don't mm-hmm. want to know what you're into because ill gross. Like, come on. There's a level of maturity you have to have when you're talking about sex with your partner. Like, okay, I'm not going to pretend that you've never watched porn before. Yeah. We both know that ain't true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we might as well have a conversation about what you're into, but it really has to be like um, as judgment free as you can make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because the second you, you have adjusted an adverse, that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, as judgment free. Sometimes my face, it's a weird my porn words will be judgment free, but my <laughs> face will be like, "You nasty." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You, you just can't help your face and be like, "Bitch, yeah. you nasty." I was dog. about to say, if your man, I mean, if your man throw a weird porn category out there, you are gonna judge the hell out of him, like, yeah. bro. It'd be like, as long chickens as I don't got and a poop shit, on like, you. <laughs> See, and I'm listen, cool on the chicken. I, I know I may be, I, and that's how I knew I was weird. Because my ass would probably be like, what are the chickens doing? Yeah, (laughs) Let's take a look at those chickens. What exactly are those chickens doing? Sometimes women want a prize just to be nasty. (laughs) They be like, what are the chickens doing? You sticking your finger in the chicken? Girl, this nigga was sticking his finger in the chicken. (laughs) Talking about, we gonna fuck after we get done with this dinner. He ain't sticking the shit in me. Sticking the goddamn finger in me. You better wash that chicken (laughs) off your finger first. (laughs) Before you touch me with your chicken finger. Hey, every, every now and again, did you watch your finger? <laughs> I can't even eat chicken fingers no more. It's disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <You're> traumatized. <laughs> you walk past the chicken. You go, you're thinking about the chicken. <laughs> Do I need to remove the chicken? <laughs> so I got to be a chicken to get some entertainment around here? You know how women is, boy. I'm never going to. We're bring that shit up every now and again. We're a chicken-free house from now on. Ain't nobody eating no chicken. Red meat on Red meat on Motherfucker bring chicken in the house. <laughs> 
You can't even make love without going. You thinking about the chicken right now? You thinking about the chicken though? I want to know you present right now. You thinking about the chicken? You thinking about the chicken? <laughs> you come to the bedroom old up. Do I look like some chicken? I look greased up. Can hey, I get man, some now? I'm not dealing with y'all. Oh, I have to ask her one more question. Oh my god. <laughs> y'all too silly. We can't do this forever. Okay. I read that you were the first female, the first Latin, a Latino female to win the NBC Stand Up for Diversity Showcase. Yes, yes, Ooh. I was. How that. big was that moment for you? Tell us all about it. Um, It was so big because I didn't think it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I won. Actually, it was two winners that year because they couldn't decide between me and my buddy, John Laster, who John Laster is one of the funniest people. I, I absolutely love that man. He's so funny. He's mm-hmm. my homie. I work with him back in New York. Funny guy. If you get a chance, check out John Laster. Um. And we had both had really good the, the night of the big show where they make the decision. Mm-hmm. We had both done really well. And like to the point where he told me afterwards that he was like, nah, Gina got it. And I was like, nah, John got it. Like we was in the back like, nah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get that. Like John got that. So mm-hmm. when they announced that we had both won, um, I really did not think it was going to happen because I didn't I didn't even think in those terms like. I wasn't concerned with winning the contest. I was like, because I saw it for what it was. And this is what I tell people about showcases. It's not about winning. It's about making connections. It's about being able to network in that room of people because you have so many industry people that are around you. Winning should be a far thought. Like you just want to do your best and whatever happens, happens. Because again, outside of your control. Mm -hmm. But if you do your best and you make those connections, then you've done yourself such a service because now you've set yourself up. Now you met an agent. Now you can send that person your stuff. Mm -hmm. Now you met a manager. Now you can keep that person updated about what you're doing. But you really have to know how to finesse it like that and really get the ego out of it because people want to win mainly off of ego. Yeah. I want to win so I can tell everybody I'm the best. No, you're still the best even if you didn't win. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't right. matter. You're still the best, even if you didn't win. Mm-hmm. Just take that with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of was that mentality was like, no, I still did my job. I came here, I talked to people, I networked, I had a good set on top of that. Mm-hmm. So even if I don't win, I still did my thing. Yeah. And Can you text me like weekly motivational I quotes? I got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You got my number. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like, it's Thursday and yeah. I ain't getting nothing. Gina, where <laughs> you at? Gina, I need it. Where you at? <laughs> I need some motivation. It's one of those things where it's a constant like, process. It's a process, though, that you really got to learn how to talk to yourself. Like my best friend, my best friend's here. Um, He always tells me, talk to yourself nice. Mm. Talk to yourself nice. Like, why don't you treat yourself nice? Like, we are our own biggest bullies. Like, we love... That's why I used to have a whole bit about how, like, I think it's funny when trolls try to be negative to me. I'm like, (laughs) I am the biggest shit talker about myself. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't got nothing on me. I've known this whole whole life. (laughs) I know about stuff you can't even think of right now. (laughs) And so it's like, we really have to... And it's a lot of things I work on with my my family and my friends is, is changing their dialogue with themselves. Like, stop treating yourself like trash because what you speak of, you speak into existence. Yeah. So, and this is how real that is. If you notice anybody in your life who is going through a really hard time, right? They're calling themselves a loser. They're calling themselves hopeless. What are they doing? All the things that people that are hopeless do. They're attracting that same kind of energy from other people. So you'll notice that your homegirl that talks about how she can't get anything right dates a bunch of trash people. That may that reaffirm what she thinks of herself because mm-hmm. we we have patterns like that's why when you see people like like the boss people like you see like the Jay Z's of the world and the Jay Coles of the world and you see them like and you see who they roll with there's a reason why they keep those people around them 
there's a reason and that reason is they're all of the same mentality they're all on the same frequency Mm -hmm. which means you're not going to bring me down or have me around all of your gunk and garbage yeah because i'm trying to work at a higher level but when i see people like that part of that starting that process is learning to stop the negative thoughts in the first place is learning to not trash yourself even when something goes wrong is learning uh, there's a great book out there that i always tell people about there's a book called the obstacle is the way is by ryan holiday and it's about how in every obstacle in our life there is a chance for opportunity you just have to be able to see it Mm -hmm. and some of the greatest stories i think like that exemplify that if you're a church person the story of job when you look at the story of job how he lost everything but he never lost faith. No matter what he lost, he never lost faith. Mm-hmm. That's such a quintessential story for anybody in life. Like it didn't matter. He, I mean, I mean, he lost his kids. He lost everything, and still his faith did not waver. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think everybody needs to be reminded of. It's like no matter what you've lost, if you can possibly step back and look and see, like, oh, okay, well, because I lost this, now I can do this. So there's the opportunity in that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when I didn't um, I wasn't getting stuff like as much as it looks like, oh, win after win after win. There's been plenty of things that I didn't get. And it took me a long time before I could sit back and be like, there's a reason I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And whatever that reason is, I'm thankful that I didn't get it because maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe there was people I wasn't supposed to be connected to. Or maybe there was a bigger opportunity behind that mm-hmm. that I couldn't do. Like Ugh. there was a time when I was tied up in a contract. And I got an offer from ABC. And because I couldn't do the ABC thing because I was tied up in this contract, I was like, damn. I was like, man, I, I want to do that ABC thing so bad. And then that ABC show fell apart. Wow. I was going to say that. It, it fell, fell apart. apart. And I was still under that contract and I was still working. I was still doing things. <laughs> and I was like, had I jumped ship, I would have been regretting that right now. Yeah. And so it's it's just uh, something I constantly, constantly have to remind myself because we're all humans. Mm-hmm. We're going to have moments where we get sad, frustrated, upset, disappointed. It's not about not feeling an emotion. It's about not staying in that emotion for days, weeks, months, years. Because that controls you. Mm-hmm. You know you know people that have been depressed forever. And and that saddens me to the point where it's like, I got to try to help you, pull, pull you out. I can only do so much. I can offer you the tools, but you, you got to take the toolbox and work on it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I can't force you to do it. But it's a constant thing when you're trying to change your mentality. It literally is an everyday work process. Well, you're definitely a motivator. If anybody needed it, I'm sure they got it today. <laughs> Hit me up for personal <laughs> motivation. Hey, right. she gonna create an app. Come out for one ninety nine. Yes, exactly. I think she needs to. Oh, but I'm serious about these texts. Yeah, I'm telling you, for one ninety nine, if you Venmo me a dollar ninety nine, I will send you a motivational text. Now the yearly package. Yeah, the yearly package. That's five grand. Now let me explain. Let me explain how the math works on that. That's when you know somebody about to get you. Let me explain. Man, you guys make sure you get out to your local comedy clubs when Gina Brion comes through your city because she is hilarious. Make sure you check out her specials. The floor is lava, easily offended, specifically speaking. Anything attached to her, I think you should go and watch it because you're going to learn something you're going to laugh. So, Thank you. Thank you for that's coming. That's my advice. Thank you we so much. We appreciate you so much. Please come back whenever you Absolutely. come back to Kansas City. Absolutely. Y'all find me on uh, on IG and let me know if I'm in your city and you want to come to a show. Let me know so I can send you all the info. Cause... Yay! 
That's Literally dope. just Gina Brion. That's how lazy I am. That's my name on IG. <laughs> just nothing no cra- else, huh? Nothing crazy creative. No underscore. <laughs> You're not even going to do an underscore, huh? I found nope. her fast, like nope. Gina. Or the real. On TikTok. I put in a G and she popped up. 80 on TikTok. That's it. That's all you get. That's as creative as I get with those names. Because I hate meeting people from Instagram, and I think that's their name. And I'll be like, oh, your name ain't Swivel? Don't your name was Swivel this whole time. Oh, that's just your IG name. Who's that? Swivel? Hey, Swiv. Swiv. Me and my, me and my home. Talk Swivel. Hey, Swiv. Swiv. You don't hear me calling you, bro? about who? Hey, my name? That's my name is Robert. Hey. Hey, put Swivel on the list. Put him on the list. I couldn't get in last night. Swivel123 is on the list, right? That's his name. Swivel123. 